This is episode number 131 of the Middle Country Public Library podcast. Hello and welcome. A little different format this week for the episode. Uh, Unfortunately, we weren't all able to be in the studio at the same time, but Sarah and Nicole have recorded their segments separately. And let me tell you, you were in for a treat because they both came up with a really great idea for this week's show. So sit back and enjoy. Hi, Sarah. Hi. You have a special segment this week, don't you? I don't know if I'd call it special, but sure. (laughs) (laughs) We have a segment. Yes, we do have a segment. So what are you uh, talking about this week? All right. Well, I thought I would highlight some new books, right? Because you can now come into the library and take a look at our books or still do curbside pickup. And for those people who are opting to do curbside pickup, maybe, you know, it's not as fun is coming in and looking at new books. So I just picked a few new books, new fiction books, and I thought I would read the first paragraph of each book, or the first sentence, depending on the length. Sure. Um, and maybe something will entice our readers, and then they can put a hold on it. Sounds like a great idea. Yeah. So, I mean, we're, uh, obviously, I only have uh, seven seven titles. Only. <laughs> only seven titles. So uh, hunker down, people. No, no. It should, it should not be that long. But, um, cool. Yeah, so I thought we could do that for a little nice. bit for adult. Yes. These are all adult. These are all adult, adult yes. Fiction. Okay, cool. So the first uh, title is called The Golden Wolf, a novel, and it's by Linnea Hart Syker. H A R T S E Y K E R. It's a, a illustration of a golden wolf on the cover. With a crown hover With a crown, yes. Yeah. Okay. And uh, this is historical fiction at its best and should not be missed. According to. <laughs> According to Historical Novel Society. So there you go. According to the author. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you, must, you must buy it must and read it. This, yes. Okay. So um, here we go. Ready? Okay. Freitas Solvedstatter sat on a rowing bench near the ship's stern with the warp of her weaving tied to her belt and the other end tied around a broken oar. She had chosen a simple pattern to work while sailing. The pitching of the ship and the yelling of the sailors were too distracting for anything more complicated. Wow. Mm. That was a mouthful, huh? Well, well, the name. (laughs) The name is. (laughs) Yeah. So uh, I have a feeling it's, you know, takes place in uh, maybe the uh, Eastern Europe. Nice. Yeah. So uh, I have a feeling it's going to be. So that's the Golden Wolf. The Golden Wolf. Okay. Yeah, so that's good, how good that... first one. Okay. So I'm the intrigued. next one, ready? Yes. It's called The King's Evil uh-huh. by Andrew Taylor. This looks number, like it's... number one best-selling author of The Ashes of London. Oh, and it's a mystery book, so I can see, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. And uh, according to the Times, just the Times. Just the Times. Just the Times. <laughs> this is how historical crime should be written. <laughs> Alrighty. Yeah, it's not the other way. This way. Yes. All right. So, and it comes. It starts off, and it gives you main characters, right? Oh wow. Okay. Yeah, and then the royal family. Oh, look family. at that. There's a tree. A, yeah. tree, a family tree. Okay. Illustration. Okay. Ready? Yes. He could not help himself. In one fluid movement, he stepped back, twisting to present his side to the enemy. His right leg was slightly bent at the knee, the foot pointing towards danger. 
In that instant, he was perfectly poised, as his fencing master had taught him, ready to thrust in tierce, ready to spit the devil before him like a fowl for the roasting. Wow. Mm. I actually like that one. Yeah. Yes. So. You, you, you read that with passion. Yeah, so what's going to happen? I don't know. <laughs> but he is in a uh, duel of some, <laughs> some kind. Some sort of duels happening there. Yeah. All right. Okay. The, the, so the, the king's evil. That's the king's evil. Okay. okay. What's up next? Sin Eater, a novel by Megan Campisi. Campisi. Yeah. C-A-M-P-I-S-I. Oh, yes, and we'll put these all in the show notes. Mm-hmm. And this is a dark and thrilling page-turner, as said by Emma Donahue, who wrote The Room. Oh, okay. okay. So let's see. There's a table of contents there, isn't there? Yeah, another royal family treat. Another royal family treat. Two in a row. Wow. Okay. So I'm going to skip the prologue, right? Okay. okay. Go straight okay. straight to the meat of it. Okay. Yeah. So, yeah. So, this chapter actually is a title. It's called Roast Pigeon. Excellent. Delicious. Okay. And this is, this is a short little paragraph, so maybe I'll read two. Okay. Okay. The bread's still warm under my shawl, my heart echoing through its crust. I run, quick as I can, along the ditch beside the road. A wide brown nostril swings into my face, breathing hot horse breath. The end. <laughs> So, well, that sounds delicious. <laughs> so yeah, so so maybe she stole this hot crusty bread. I don't know. We don't know. But uh, but her, she can feel it through her heart. Yes. Eating. Yeah, yeah, and it's uh, maybe it's go with the roast pigeon. Yes. So, so that's that one. Very nice. Written. So that's sin eater. Sin eater, right. right? So the next one is stranger in the lake, a novel. Oh, yes. By Kimberly Bell. Yes. Stranger right. in the lake. Stranger in the lake. Not by the lake. No, in the lake. <laughs> and it says, in her small town, she knows everybody's name, but not their secrets. But not the one who's in the lake. Yeah. And this is the best-selling author of The Marriage Lie. Okay. All righty. So let's see here. I untie the dock cleats and shove the boat into water as gray as the sky. Sometime in the past few hours, gunmetal clouds have rolled over the mountaintops shooting down icy gusts that froth the surface of Lake Crosby into a million white peaks. My stomach churns, and not from the water's chop. Oh, oh. no. Why is, it, is her stomach churning? I know. Did she, did, did, she, did she feel something about the lake? Did she have, like, a bad burrito? We don't know. I don't know. <laughs> You're going to have to find out. You have to read it. Yes. Yes. Right. Stranger so, in the Lake. That's, that's going to be a suspenseful book. <laughs> that's very much Okay. So. All right. So, next one is called The King's Beast. Wow, you got two books here with the kings. I know, I know. <laughs> A Mystery of the American Revolution Ooh. by Elliot Pattison. Our colleague uh, Jim Ward might like this one. Yeah, so let's see. Um, okay, it's a gripping tale of risk and adventure. Nice. Yeah, okay. That's very vague, but that's why we want, that's why they put those on the back of the book. Okay, here we go. Chapter okay. one, spring, 1769. The Kentucky Wilderness. Oh, nice. Okay, ready? The chain of men worked feverishly, passing bucket after bucket of muddy water from the pit that Duncan McCallum stood in. The youngest members of their keelboat crew ran the buckets back to the pit as they were emptied, excitedly handing them down to the broad-shouldered man who stood beside Duncan, thigh-deep in the muck of the pit. Ezra's good-natured calls to the crew above them were becoming forced, Duncan realized, for he saw an unexpected cloud on his friend's 
countenance and had begun to hear whispered prayers in the tongue of his African tribe. So what is happening here? What mm-hmm. is happening there? Yeah. Before the American Revolution, so it's, mm-hmm. it's a setup. But it's a mystery. It is a mystery. Of the American Revolution. Of the American Revolution. The King's Beast. Yeah. Um, so uh, if you like a mystery and you like American Revolution, yes, check that one out. Check that one out indeed. Okay, so this one is Threshold. Okay. A novel by Rob Doyle. According to Jeff Dyer, daring and deranged, endlessly entertaining and furiously funny. Oh, okay. So I think this is a little bit different. Yes. A modern day odyssey, according to Teddy Wayne. Okay. According okay. to a lot of people that unfortunately I don't I don't recognize. True. And I apologize if there's someone I should recognize as a librarian. <laughs> and if you are listening uh, by chance to this show, then please uh, contact me and let me know who you are. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> okay so this is entitled uh, Mushroom. Okay. okay. So, some time ago, I lived for a year in Stony Batter, the pleasantly self-contained neighborhood of brick terraces just north of the Liffey. My back garden, as I soon came to think of it, was the was the Phoenix Park, as its 700 hectares began just a five-minute walk from my door. A couple of weeks after I moved in, I arranged with my friend Fran to go picking magic mushrooms in the park. It was mid-October, the height of the season. Yes. So um, this is obviously Dublin, because the River Liffey and Phoenix Park are both in Dublin. I'm glad you said that because I did there not you know. Really yeah. So that sounds interesting. And hectares, what is that? I don't know, but it's you can look uh, it up. it's the um, I think it's the metric acres. I guess. Oh, ah, okay. So it definitely is taking place in Ireland in Dublin, and you should have uh, we should have uh, read that I guess in uh, in an Irish accent. But can you gonna... do can you do that? <laughs> no, I, I cannot. I cannot. No. I, yeah, I think someone <laughs> would be very upset if I tried. And it say would be I was nice if like them. yes, yeah. Bono was here. He might be uh, oh, yeah. able to read that. But uh, very nice. Okay. Yeah. So yeah, if you want to know. I am, found I, the magic mushrooms. Yes, and I, it's a funny book. We all like funny. Threshold, and um, if it's um, Irish humor, I'd be very interested mm-hmm. because I love their their wit. The Irish, yeah. the Irish wit, very so, good. Well, that doesn't say much about yes. it, but it's funny and contemporary. Cool. Okay, last the last time something last, for everyone, right? Yes. This is called Thin Girls, okay. a novel by Diana Clark. Okay, brand new. Here we go. Yeah, it's a stunning debut novel. Gorgeously crafted, as according to Roxanne Gay. And Roxanne Gay sounds familiar. What what has Roxanne Gay uh, uh, written? I don't know. It does not say. <laughs> they never put that. You know, they should put that on there. They yeah. should say, you know, Roxanne Gay has. Well, a... she must be really good because she's the top one. Yeah. And she has no like identifier. So Roxanne Gay is the uh, New York Times best-selling essay. Oh. Uh, uh, collection writer of Bad Feminist, as well as a short story collections and a novel, Untamed State. So I recognize the name, but I did not know exactly what she was doing. So she, she is pretty she important. Is, she is in there for this okay. book, for, for her to be in this book, Yeah, for her to suggest this book. Okay. All right. So Thing Girls, right? I'll, right? I'll give you a little blurb, okay? Right. It's a dark, edgy novel that explores body image, queerness, toxic diet, culture, and the power of sisterhood, love, and friendship. And this is fiction. Yes, they're all fiction. Okay, all right. okay I'm not going to read the prologue. Part right. one. Part one. Okay, so let's dialogue, ready? The group leader is showing us how to pre-eat. Pre-heat, I say? Pre-eat, she says. <laughs> pre-eat, I say? Yes, pre-eat. 
Oh, pre-Eve. Okay. That's it. Oh, that's that's a teaser if, if I ever heard one. Yeah. So what is this pre-eating? What is pre-eating? Biz- yeah. That sounds like when I... And what's this group leader? What is, what's happening? Yes. That sounds like pre-eating. It sounds like when, I, when I'm when i eating potato chips and snacks <laughs> while, whilst cooking dinner. That's, yes. That's pre-eating for me. Yeah. No, I, I yeah. agree. You know, if that uh, intrigues anyone and they want to know more about this pre-eating business, yes. what happens in Thin Girls and what is it? Also a contemporary fiction novel. It sounds good. So we have a few historicals. We have a suspense. Yes. We have a funny, a funny Irish yes. book. You know, so there's something for everyone. And all these titles will be in, in, I sent them to Sal and he'll put them in the show notes. I shall. With the link and you can request them. And uh, Well, I thought this was a fabulous idea, Sarah. Yeah. We should do this uh, periodically throughout. All right. Very good. Mm-hmm. Thank you so much. Sure. Hey, Nicole. How are you doing? Good. How are you? I'm good. So uh, we had Sarah in here. She was reading. Mm-hmm. You want to read too? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So Sarah did adult books. Uh-huh. Um, and you're going to focus on uh, books for uh, the- The rest uh, of the- The rest of the- <laughs> the, the rest of the people. <laughs> so I have some YA, some juvenile, like young teen, and I even have some picture books. Very nice. And- I have a new special collection that I'm going to introduce you guys to. Cool. Yeah. All right. So what you got today? Sure. So we'll start with YA and work our way down. Okay. So the first uh, book is YA fiction. It's called The Voting Booth, Make It Count, and it's by Brandy Colbert or Colbert. Um, I I don't know if you know Stephen Colbert is, so but she might pronounce it Colbert. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Not related, though, to Colbert. No, uh, no I don't okay, believe so. Right. It's, a time, um, it's a timely choice there. Yeah, the voting booth, right? Yeah, it's yeah, coming yeah. up. Excellent. Um, and like I said, it's YA, so like young people who maybe are just about to be able to vote, which is the um, the two main characters in this uh, book, um, are people who are going to be able to vote soon, you know? Cool. It's also described as romantic and triumphant, and we know I love a good romance. There you go. So I was all about it. This is told from the two different points of view of each character. So we're going to start with Marva, her point of view, and I'll do like Sarah did and read the first. I'll read the first two paragraphs because it's a short. Okay. Okay, ready? I don't like it when people make hyperbolic statements. So I really mean it when I say I've been waiting for this day my entire life. November 3rd, election day. But not just any election day. It's the first one that I'll be able to vote in, finally. That's cool. Yeah. So that book came out this year, then? Uh, yes. Yeah, because November 3rd is election day, isn't it? It is election day. Very cool. <laughs> All right, yeah. so that's the voting booth. So if you guys are interested in romance and uh, voting. In voting, yes. <laughs> I would take that one out. Okay, the next one we have up is called Crying Laughing, and it's by Lance Rubin. So this book is about Winnie Friedman, and she's hilarious or she thinks she's hilarious and so uh, she bombs her first stand-up set at her own bat mitzvah so now she kind (laughs) of keeps it to herself and her dad who's a former comedian is her inspiration she does find out that her dad has been diagnosed with als so it's kind of her story of navigating something sad but with humor and all that stuff that sounds like it's going to tug at the strings of the heart 
Yes. <laughs> but it, I read some reviews and it still is funny. Like it okay. still has, it's like, it's called, like I said, crying laughing. And there is um, some laughing and some crying. I, I hope so. I yeah. hope that's, yes. Because that would be like false advertising. If that's... <laughs> no one knows how funny I am. Well, that's not entirely true. My dad and sometimes my mom and my best friends, Laylee and Azita, know. And I know, but no one else. Definitely no one in school where successful humor tends to involve farts. Okay. <laughs> so that's about a girl coming into her own humor and dealing with some serious issues. So that's oh, all right. another YA one. I think that looks okay. funny. I, I like stand-up comedy myself. So okay. um, I think that'll be a good one. I kind of want to yeah. take that out. Cool. All right. The next one is called The Gravity of Us by Phil Stamper. And a quote on the cover. I'm so starry-eyed for this wise, romantic gem of a book. Nice. That's another romance, which we know I like. <laughs> I tried to not do all romance. I can't help well, it. Well, no, I'm that's just... fine. No, yeah. And they're I'm new sure books. And I'm sure people who listen, our listeners, yes. uh, relate to you and are looking forward to you <laughs> telling them what the next romantic book they need to read. Yes. Well, why anyway? Sure. <laughs> well, no, I think most a lot of adults read YA now. I mean, that's yeah. Like, you know, it's like, you know. Some of the best stories from YA stories. I'm sorry, they're better than the adult stories. (laughs) At home, chapter one. At home, I'm invisible. At school, I'm bizarre. But to the rest of the world, I'm a journalist. I get this specific feeling, a tug in my gut, a hitch in my breath, every time I craft a news story, open the Flash Fame app, and broadcast live to my 435,000 followers. Oh, boy. So this is about Cal Lewis, who is on his way to becoming a famous social media journalist. So like he said, he almost has half a million followers. Um, But when his pilot father is selected for a highly publicized NASA mission to Mars, within days, Cal and his parents leave Brooklyn and all his career plans behind. He has to move to Texas now. And then he meets Leon, whose mother is an astronaut, and he finds himself falling head over heels. So now they become friends in this new hectic life, and a little bit of romance ensues. So it sounds like a really interesting book. So, so this yes. is like a space journalism romance. It, it could be like a. It's like future because isn't uh, well, SpaceX, Mars, right? Yeah, SpaceX moving to Texas, and they yeah, they're going to build their Mars. Yeah, Elon, wow. Elon, Elon and his crew. Yeah. Good for Elon. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, I think they already are in Texas. Yeah. Probably right. Well, because well, NASA helped them with their land yeah. recently, right? So they yeah. they kind of working together oh, there. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. It's be crazy. Imagine we're good to Mars. I think it's gonna. I think we'll it's gonna in happen our in our lifetime. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Like human beings will be there. Um. Yeah. 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 We're not that old. Oh well. No. You're not that old. <laughs> <laughs> no. But like, well, science and like technology, like it. Develops like exponentially, yes, right? I was just so, say, yeah, it's crazy. Yeah, so yeah, definitely. Like when you were a kid, did you ever think you'd have every single song in your pocket? Right, and you could yeah. just tell like a voice and say, "Play the latest this," and it plays. No, no, oh. it's, it's yeah. So. I know. I sat there and I had record. Would you have to hit record and play at the same yeah, time? Yeah, record and play at the same time. So and, on and, a cassette. And God forbid the DJ got yeah. on the radio and ruined it. <laughs> I remember that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, so right, now so we're now going we're moving to into the juvenile, juvenile fiction. Okay, cool. Yep. This is King and the Dragonflies by Case and Calendar, who I actually saw speak at a Yalsa event. Nice. And they were really good. And um, this 
and they talked about this book specifically. Um, so King is sure that his older brother Khaled has turned into a dragonfly. It's kind of he's grieving over because his brother passed away. So oh. it's like he's grieving over that, and this is what he's convinced. So kind of like more heartstrings being pulled here. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Chapter one: The dragonflies live down by the bayou, but there's no way to know which one's my brother. I've never seen so many dragonflies around this time of year. There are hundreds, maybe even thousands, just sitting on tree branches and rocks, baking in the sun, flitting over the brown water that seeps up from the dirt, zipping across the sky, showing off their ghost-like wings, happy in their own dragonfly paradise. Very nice. Nice. Yeah, I think that's a, a good one. Another yeah. one I'm going to put on my, my list to take out. Yeah. I'll try to take them out because... I'm telling you guys about it. Imagine if I just took out every one of these books I talked about. Yeah, exactly, right? <laughs> so they came to check them out. Right? Actually, Nicole has them on hold. <laughs> Sorry. Um, so the next book is actually a nonfiction. Oh, I, yeah, I was going to say, there's uh, some nice pictures on the back Yeah, there, throw yeah. in some uh, nonfiction too. Because sometimes I think nonfiction doesn't get a lot of love. It you kind of, you search for it when you need to do a research paper. Yeah, exactly. And, uh, you know, sometimes you might want to just check. Check out some information. Yeah. So this one is by Tanya Bolden, Changing the Equation, 50 plus U.S. black women in STEM. So each chapter is a different uh, black woman in a STEM field. There's doctors, vets, biologists, um, all kinds of STEM, right? Engineers. And one uh, that I'll just read real quick is Latanya Sweeney. She is a computer scientist and data scientist. And I'll just read a little bit about her. You have zero privacy anyway, quote, Sun Microsystems CEO Scott McNeely famously told journalists in 1999 when launching a new product, quote, get over it. In 2010, Facebook founder Mark Zuckerberg similarly declared privacy dead. Not so fast, says Latanya Sweeney. In a 2007 Scientific American Q&A, she insisted that there is a, quote, a primal need for secrecy so we can achieve our goals. Privacy also allows an individual the opportunity to grow and make mistakes and really develop in a way you can't do in the absence of privacy, where there's no forgiving and everyone knows what everyone else is doing, end quote. So she is a data scientist who is really into privacy, especially in technology, and she is actually a doctor. She has her PhD. Nice. Yeah, and she's done a lot of things, a lot of HIPAA-related things about, like, getting – um you can give your doctor information and they could get it to a researcher, but there's no way for that researcher to know that it was you that the data is coming from. So it masks the, uh, yeah, yeah it's all that kind of stuff, which something that I'm currently very interested in is privacy as someone who like, like you too, like we like technology a lot. Like yeah. we're on the apps or on the stuff. And I think sometimes we have been very conditioned or socialized mm-hmm. to be like, this is great. And just, yeah. and just, yeah. I, I put in my information a little too yeah, freely. Exactly. And so I think it's good to to notice that. And I think it's pretty cool that, you know, to learn about people who have been doing this work, you know, like this isn't new. For people have been talking about time. privacy yeah, for a exactly. really long yeah, time. Yeah. Sure. So that was really cool. Yeah. All right. Up next, nice. we have Curse of the Night Witch, Emblem Island by Alex Astor. So this is a 12-year-old Tor Luna born with a leadership emblem but he hates his mark and is determined to choose a new path for himself. So all the kids on this island are born with an emblem knowing what their fates are. Okay. Must be, uh, there's definitely an allegory going on here, right? Of this. Uh... <laughs> oh, yeah. So this is under the science fiction and fantasy okay. genre. Chapter one, The Wish. Tor Luna often studied his little sister's lifeline. 
Today, he ran a finger across Rosa's tiny hands, and she squirmed, laughing. Look at all of those peaks, he said, tapping the rainbow-colored lines winding up and down her palms. So that's <laughs> a short paragraph for a kid's book. Yeah, well, it's interesting. Uh, yeah. But yeah, and Alex Astor, the author, she's only like 24, 25 years really? old. Yeah. This is her first published book. She was uh, given a, like signed with an agent uh, right as soon as she graduated from college. Nice. Yeah, so that's exciting. Yeah. Uh, Very cool. And the last ones, we have a biography picture book. Oh, okay. It began with a page, how Gyo Fujikawa drew the way. So uh, Gyo Fujikawa is a children's author. She wrote the 1963 book Babies, which was like huge because this was uh, the first diverse book. So it had babies of all different um, backgrounds, diverse babies. So she, quote, said... She wanted an international set of babies, little black babies, Asian babies, all kinds of babies in the pages of her books. And that had never been done before. So this is her story. And this is by Kyo McClare. And the pictures are by Julie Morstad. And the pictures are really beautiful. So I would suggest taking this book out. So it began with a page bright and beckoning. It began with a mother writing a poem and a father working a field and a little girl named Kyo drawing a picture. It was 1913, and Gyo was five years old. Nice. Older story, but it's really pretty. Yeah, it's a nice-looking uh, yeah. picture book. Yeah. And now for our newest collection is called Wonder Books. So now I've been reading these books to you, but if you are more of an audio person, you can have someone else read them to you. Okay, so let me explain what we're looking at here. Mm-hmm. So it looks like a regular book, mm-hmm. but when you open that front cover... There's some sort of device attached <laughs> to the to the inside yep. of the book. That's strange. It actually closes. It closes. It cl- closes. Okay. All no, right. it's a thicker. It's a little. Yeah, thicker. They, yeah it's okay. a, they they are a little bit awkward on the shelf. Yeah, yeah. yeah so I've tried to come up with an interesting way to display them. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> Basically, they're all just facing out like a yeah. bookstore. But yeah, so it's a read along. So kind of like. Remember, like, they're picture books like this yeah, already. Exactly. They're read along. Yeah, you press yeah, a but... button and it reads this section. Yeah, yeah. So they have them for picture books. Look, I got you. Okay. Blueberries oh, for blueberries Sal. Blueberries for Sal. Yeah. Oh, I like blueberries. <laughs> but they do also have, um, like, juvenile fiction books that are, like, chapter books. Okay. Um, that you can get, which is a little bit different. And it's not like, because we also have the, like, playaway packs where they give you the book mm-hmm. and the device. Mm-hmm. So this is, like, that together. So you can read along. With it. Uh, with it, yeah. Yes. And is there a, a speaker or do you have to plug in headphones? Oh, no, just spe- there oh, is a, a jack, but... Oh, wow. That day in October 2012 was an ordinary day. I was 15 in grade 9 and I had overslept because I'd stayed up far too late the night before. Okay. For my exam. Yeah. So this book specifically yeah. is Malala, yeah. My Story of Standing Up for Girls' Rights. Is that her actually reading the book? Like, is she actually... It doesn't tell Okay. Yeah, that's the one thing about this. That is very, very, very cool. Yeah, but you can read along with it. And then you can go into, so this there's a read mode and a mm-hmm. learning mode. So if you go okay. into learning mode, it'll ask you questions about the book okay. as you go along, which might like which is good to, for like reading comprehension, yeah. right, stuff like that. And then for with the picture books, I think it's really good because then parents can like, because it'll ask you question like, what was your favorite picture? Mm-hmm. You know, what um, what did you learn? You know, it kind of asks you those who, what, where, when, why questions. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And sometimes not everyone knows to do that. You know yeah. what I mean? Like, I don't think my mom ever asked me a question. 
<laughs> you know, but just to say, like, you know, it's one thing if you go to school to become a teacher and yeah, this yeah, is kind of, yeah. but when you're just reading with your kids, you know, you, you might don't not think about it. You realize just, the kind of questions that you might want to ask to start a little conversation. So this kind of prompts you to do that. And nice. then you could take it to any book that you read with them. Yeah. It's also really good for our um, English as a second language learners. It's true. So if they have young kids, they could sit down and, and do it together. They can ask questions. They could talk about it together, you know. So um, I think these books are really, really uh cool and i hope it is very cool people come and get them and they're you know the pictures are still beautiful yeah you know, yeah it's, just... it's basically the book with this device attached to the inside cover mm -hmm. yeah and it's kind of like a triangle shape it's a little thicker than you can obviously now now that i see it flat you can see there's a bump right but it looks like a play away it is a play yeah, it is it looks, playaway yeah, company it's a playaway company yeah so. and they so you do have to charge them it is a mm -hmm. universal usb charger okay so if you have Unless your house is like full of solely Apple products, yeah. if you have at least one thing that one isn't thing an Apple, have, yeah, mini USB. Yeah, um, then you should have it. But they do come. You know, we charge them when we get them back in, okay. so they'll, they'll charge probably, when they go out. Yeah, they probably last mm -hmm. the, at least one read through. Yeah, yeah, they last for sixteen hours. Oh yeah, perfect. Yeah. Cool, yeah. awesome. Yeah. Well, that was a very interesting. Uh, turn of events there at the end <laughs> yeah yeah i got sick of reading myself so i figured i'll just come and play these <laughs> great great so uh we'll put all these in the show notes so folks can uh, take these out and thanks so much nicole yeah, no problem. so that does it for this week's episode if you want to listen to older episodes or read our show notes visit our website mcplpodcast.com or if you have a comment or a suggestion or an idea for an upcoming show we'd love to hear it please send us an email podcast at mcplibrary.org. So for Sarah Fade and Nicole Rambo, I'm Sal DiVincenzo. We'll see you on the next show.